Welcome to today's podcast. I am Taylor Jackson, as you know, and thank you for joining me on this daily adventure. Today, I am in Southern California still. Uh, very beautiful weather today. Fortunately, yesterday was a little, little wet. Uh, today is a lot better, and uh, I'm going to throw this to an episode that I recorded with Corey Potter uh, a little while ago, and it is all about SEO, and he is the SEO dude in photography. So if you are interested in, in his offerings, uh, head over to Fuel Your Photos, F-U-E-L, yourphotos.com uh, for everything that you ever need to know in photography. So on to today's episode. All right, I am joined here today by Corey, and uh, we're going to be talking primarily about search engine optimization, uh, SEO. And uh, I I guess uh, I came into this when SEO was the biggest, most important thing for a wedding photographer to have because there was no real Facebook and no real Instagram. Um, how has search engine optimization kind of changed um, over the past even like four years or less? Yeah, that's a really good question because actually whenever I typically define SEO, I actually have a slide in one of the presentations that said that uh, SEO is actually about optimizing your web assets so they can be found using search functions in various apps and websites. Because like a lot of people think about SEO as, you know, optimizing your website for Google, period. That's it. And that's not really the case. Like you said, whenever I first started in like 2007 or 2008 with wedding photography, it was a huge deal because Facebook still wasn't something people used for that. And Pinterest was just coming onto the scene or about to. Um, and several Instagram wasn't even thought of yet or maybe, but <laughs> anyway, you know, it, it was a big deal to have Google at this point, it's still a big deal, but there's so many other things to consider as well. And so, um, you do have to think about optimizing more holistically. So you, even your other properties like your Facebook page or your Pinterest account can show up in Google search. And so being on all of these different platforms that people use to search is important if you want to be found and want to be competitive. So I guess that is one big thing that that has changed. I mean, a lot's changing. It's always changing. You know, as far as like the past few years, um, it's. It, I think that a lot of times people say SEO is always changing and, and there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, Google says they update their algorithm practically every other day or, or every day, probably. Uh, and so, you know, there's always changes happening, but the core concepts have been the same for a really long time. The tactics that work may be changing, but I think, you know, if you really understand like what, what really lies behind SEO success, it's going to be the same 10 years ago and 10 years from now. Well, maybe you know, it's hard to know where, where things are going to yeah. go in the future. For sure. Um, so say you are just beginning a website, whether it is your first photography website or if it is a, maybe an addition to your website um, and you're at square one, what things should you be looking at? What platform should you be looking at to go um, to actually make your blog out of? Is it a WordPress or a Squarespace or um, is one necessarily better than the other um, in your experience? Yes, that's another good question. And it's really hard to answer for everyone. But I think uh, the two that you mentioned are two of the most popular right now, WordPress and Squarespace. I've actually, for a long time, I've been using WordPress. I mean, that's kind of where I started and I developed some on WordPress. So it's obviously, I'm a little biased towards WordPress. But the more that I've used Squarespace as I've been working with clients on SEO, the more that I have learned to appreciate it. Of course, I feel very constricted by Squarespace because there's certain things that are extremely difficult to do. I'm not saying they're impossible, but uh, that would be really easy 
on WordPress. And I think maybe as you grow and if you're planning on like blogging a lot, like if you plan on blogging, uh, you know, every day or three times a week or something like that, it starts to be really tough to manage on Squarespace in my opinion. Uh, but if you are just putting up a few pages and need a site that's really simple to, to get started and looks beautiful, Squarespace can be a good option. Uh, I would say don't necessarily get caught in the trap of, I'll just start with Squarespace and later if I need to, I'll move to WordPress. That can be a really big pain to try to make that transition, although it can be done. Uh, but I would say that for a lot of photographers, Squarespace meets all the needs that, that they would ever have. All right. Um, I definitely agree with those statements. Um, I have been, I think my, my first website ever, I think was on WordPress. Um, my first real professional website, I should say. Um, and there's really no limitation to it, but the downside with that is that there's no limitation to what you can do. So you're always changing things and tweaking things and break, breaking things accidentally. And, um, there's a lot that can, um, take some time to troubleshoot. Whereas Squarespace is a lot more just, um, they don't really let you do anything that is going to actually break the system. Yeah. And Um, what I've found too, is that, you know, the things that I like to do, uh, are maybe the 20% that you can't do on Squarespace. And if, if it fits 80% of the needs for most people, you know, I I like to live by the 80, 20 rule and like, don't worry about the extra 20% in some cases. However, if you're in a very competitive niche, I will say, that often that last 20% makes a big difference. If you're trying to compete for something like, you know, Los Angeles wedding photographer or something like that, uh, starting on Squarespace might be crippling depending on exactly what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess maybe let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, so what, what is the opt like, how do you begin this process? You have a website. Um, how do you begin to just start the SEO process to make, your website, something that Google is going to look at and, um, or not even Google, just everywhere, um, is going to look at and understand the content that's on it and rank you high for it. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think, I think that it's all about making your website easy to use. And, and I think clarity is really important. Um, so if, if I can explain to you exactly what I do on my website, then the user, as you visit my website, you're going to be able to uh, understand what you see and you're going to be able to find what you're looking for quickly. Uh, And Google is basically the same way. So what I see a lot with photographers is that they're not clear about what it is that they do or what they specialize in or what makes them different or what they're offering or where they're located. And I think maybe they take for granted, like they know these things, but they don't write them so that someone who has no idea about what they're looking at would understand all of that in a few seconds by looking at their website. And so I think that maybe the first step is just getting crystal clear on what it is that you do, what you're trying to offer and who you're trying to attract so that everything you write can be for those people. And sometimes that involves doing keyword research and figuring out, well, what is it that people actually look for when they go to a search engine? And sometimes it comes from just knowing exactly what you do, even if people aren't, not very many people are searching for it. Uh, so I think that's the first step is clarity. Yeah. And then um, after you kind of have that message, uh, I guess kind of the most important thing is to actually have text that Google can read. Um, can Google read image, or I guess it can read images, but does does it rank any of that or is it all just kind of still text-based and alt tags and um, things like that? I'm actually really glad you asked that because... 
I've seen several SEOs giving advice on this even recently. Even like last week, I saw someone in a Facebook group mention like, uh, Google can't read the text and images. You need to make sure you put it in your alt text. And I can tell you for a fact that that's not true in 2017. So I still recommend having as much text as possible and not trying to put your text in your images if you can help it. Uh, but if you look uh, at pretty much any image, Google can can read the text inside of an image. And I've, I've done some tests on this to like see how much they can read. And it's kind of creepy how well they can pick up text. And they parse that just like text on the page. Uh, so again, not recommending that you like put everything into images because it's okay, Google can understand it. Uh, they still put a lot of value on regular text content because of usability. So a lot of people may not be able to see the text in that image on a smaller device or uh, something like that, even if Google can see it. And so they know those kinds of things. Uh, but they will potentially rank uh, text in an image. And I've even done some weird things like search for an address uh, that was in an image, like a, a picture of a contract or something. And Google pulled up that contract because it was on my website or something weird like that. Uh, so they can they can do it. They can index it. But again, it, there, it comes down to usability, I think. Yeah. And um, I've, I guess I kind of also come from that old school mindset where I really just had no idea until now that Google would actually index that and would actually um, start to understand the images that you put up there. Yeah, um, if you want to see something really fun and also kind of creepy, uh, look at the uh, Google image recognition API. If I think if you just search for that, it'll, they'll bring up this uh, thing where you can upload an image and it will show you like all the things that Google can tell about that image. And in just a matter of a second, it will like recognize faces, recognize emotions, uh, recognize the content in the image, recognize any text in the image. It's kind of cool. It's fun to look at. That's really interesting. So I guess that is kind of um, maybe the future of where things are going, that even if you're not spending a lot of time writing text on like Instagram or a platform like that, that now it's going to know that you're a wedding photographer because you have so many wedding pictures, I guess, um, on your Instagram. Which Absolutely. Is, I believe that is definitely the future of search. Yeah, that's really cool. And then I guess that's also going to translate to video. But maybe that's a little too far from where we're going right now. Um, <laughs> we are in a vis- visual industry. We're photographers. Uh, what are steps that we can take to start making a more SEO, um, a better website for, for the internet? Uh, okay, so... I'm trying to think of where to even start with that because that's there's, <laughs> Sorry, it's a, big question. There's a lot. Um, so, so you mentioned visual and, and images and we were just talking about images and we're talking about whether text should be in images. But I think one big question that photographers often have is uh, how can I make my website faster and how can I optimize images for the web? And I think that's an important thing to take into consideration now, especially since the majority of search on Google, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Pinterest is happening on mobile devices. And a lot of photography websites that I go to are still really slow and they may take 10 to 15 seconds to load on a mobile device. And you'll hear all these stats about how after three seconds, someone's going to leave your site. And I think those are true across the board for the internet. But for photographers, I've found that most people are willing to wait a little bit longer because they're on a photography site and they know it's going to take a little bit to load. But still, getting that right is important. So I would say it's important to understand the size that you have to work with on your website. So if your website is you know, 1,500 pixels wide, 
don't be uploading images that are 5,000 pixels wide or something like that. Uh, so optimize for the size of, of the space on your website and then running them through some sort of image uh, optimization or compression. I like to use Image Optim, and there's a free version online. If you just go to imageoptim.com slash online, I think is what it is. Uh, and you know, there's other things like JPEG Mini is good, but even compared to JPEG Mini, I found that Image Optim gets like 40% smaller files. And so, and it's still decent quality. I, I would consider it good quality. Uh, so that's one of those things like getting that right it's a big step for photographers. Um, trying to think like what's the next, I, I just kind of took that because it was a good segue from yeah, yeah. No, talking about awesome. images. Um, uh, even when it comes to like blogging and things like that, um, not every photographer that I know blogs, is that an incredibly important thing still in 2017? Yeah. So <laughs> there was an article that came out recently about why blogging wasn't that important for SEO in a popular photography magazine. Um, and I would say it just depends on how, I guess, on how you're you're putting out content. So uh, you don't necessarily have to be blogging in the traditional sense of the word to put out great content on a regular basis. Uh, but I would say to me that uh, most naturally, it's easy to blog and get new content out there. So if I'm... Uh, if I'm doing a new shoot, then I'm going to put up a blog post about it. If I, if, you know, did something within the community that I want to talk about, I would put a blog post about it. There's, there's all kinds of things that I can easily blog about in a natural way that just allows me to put up contextual information on my website. And that's important. I mean, having a broad range of information on your website that helps answer people's questions and prove that you're an authority and, and, and give context to the subject matter, I would say that's extremely important. And a blog is a very easy way to do that. Mm -hmm. I found that uh, at least over the past maybe two years that I have gone from, I used to blog all the time. And now with Instagram, I'm finding it so much harder to keep up with um, kind of like, it's, it's the same with when I'm posting to YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. It's just, it becomes too much almost. Um, so that's why my blogging has fallen off. But I know that... Um, I guess I have a slight advantage because my website is um, like 10 or 15 years old at this point, sure. um, which I know still does kind of play a good role in um, kind of ranking and things like that. Yeah, that can make a difference. And, you know, I have some blog posts. I haven't updated my photography blog very much in the past couple of years because I've started doing more SEO and less photography. But I have some blog posts on my site that are still getting me uh, between 300 and 800 visits per month just per one blog post. And they're two years old. And so that's one of the powers of having something like that. It doesn't have to be a blog post. It could have been a page on my site. The two that are doing really well for me, one is uh, like my top seven favorite wedding venues in, in my city. And the other is the best 19 places to do engagement sessions in my city. And those are kind of evergreen topics that are always helpful for people looking for a photographer um, or looking to you know get married or whatever it is. So I would say like a lot of people have talked a long time about consistency is important and you should be blogging every twice a week or something like that. I don't necessarily think that's as important as some people like to say that it is. And uh, I think what we're talking about where, you know, there's some age considered, there's authority considered. Um, and, and you can have things that are old that are still getting you new traffic. I will also say that I think blog posts are, 
naturally easy to share. Although I don't think that people are sharing blog posts as much as people would like to think. I mean, people are sharing Instagram or, or Facebook, or I guess sharing isn't really a thing on Instagram. All the people kind of do it. But, yeah. you know, social is a good place for sharing, whereas blog posts are not as easy to share as, at least not in the photography space. It's not what I'm finding. Yeah. Um, so let's maybe talk about keywords for a second. Um, when you have your website, what, um, I guess, like, even just as, like, a basis, um, I, I went for just kind of local, my city name, wedding photographer. That was what I tried to rank for. Um, is that still the correct thing to do? Is that, um, is there a better way around it now? It's, I guess it kind of depends on exactly which type of photography you do and, and all of that. And it depends on your city. Uh, because I work with clients all over the country and in other countries and what you would do in a major metro in Australia is very different than what you're going to do in a small town in Texas. Um, and so knowing how people search in your your local area is important. Uh, and doing keyword research can really help with that. Although what I've been finding as I've started to do more and more keyword research for photographers is that often the tools that we would typically use to figure out who's searching for what and how, how often they're searching... Uh, may not be as accurate as you would like to think. And I think that for someone who doesn't do SEO all the time and they just look at these numbers and they take them at face value, it can be misleading because sometimes, you know, even some of the best paid tools that I have for keyword research, I was I was doing one the other day and trying to find some volume for uh, a suburb of Houston. And none of the keyword tools were showing anything. But then I went into the search console for another client that I had worked with or, uh, or that same client and looked to see, um, is anyone searching for these suburbs? And the fact is they are. It's just a very small amount. And so I think sometimes knowing whether you should go after like the big competitive terms or try to find these smaller terms that even some of the tools may tell you that no one is searching for takes a little bit of, uh, I guess you have to have some intuition on that and know where your audience is and whether you think people are actually searching and then put it out there and see what kind of results you get. And then look at, you have to track that and then, you know, make changes based on the data. Yeah. Um, if someone is kind of just, uh, getting started and looking to see what keywords they should consider, is there a resource or a website or a program that you'd recommend? Uh, yeah, there's several. Um, so I think I would probably start with something like, kwfinder.com um, it's a really easy one to use and there's there's a paid version but you can also search a little bit on there for free uh, the Moz Keyword Explorer has a few free searches per day that that gives a lot of really good information um, you know a lot of people will recommend the AdWords Keyword Planner and they've started stripping out a lot of the data but you can still go in there you have to set up an AdWords account even like put in your payment information and start an ad before you can access this tool unless you've used it in the past. But then you can stop the ad. You don't have to actually run the ads. Uh, but then you could put in a competitor's uh, domain into the landing page inside of AdWords Keyword Planner and get some interesting ideas on like what your competitors are ranking for. So that's a good tool. And there's several others uh, that you can... There's a, there's a Chrome extension called Keywords Everywhere. That's really good. Uh, so... Yeah, there's a lot of tools out there. I would just say it's probably better, if, especially if you're using free tools, to use a variety of tools and try to take averages of the numbers that you're seeing because they're 
most likely going to be different. Yeah. And then once you know those keywords, what are the best way to, um, do you just put them into your headings of, th- of like blog posts or, um, what, what is, um, kind of the best way to just get those keywords on your website? Okay. So this is another really good, uh, topic because it's, it's really common for people to take their keyword, like let's say, um, Charleston wedding photographer, and they will put that as the title of their homepage and they'll try to work it into the titles of all their other pages. And on every blog post, they'll like end it with Charleston wedding photographer. And speaking of changes over the past four years, uh, this actually was something that worked probably five years ago, maybe even three years ago. And it's really started to have less of an impact. And in some cases, from what I can tell, it looks like it's even hurting people where these pages are starting to compete with each other for the same keyword. And so I actually have a blog post that I just wrote recently on the Feel Your Photos blog. <clears throat> and it talks about what to do whenever you have multiple posts that target the same keyword. And I think that post also is helpful in answering this question where it talks about finding creative ways to title blog posts that support your main keywords instead of compete for your main keywords. So typically you want to have some piece of content on your site. I like to call it cornerstone content, uh, where that is the piece of content that you want to be found for any particular keyword or set of keywords. So like the difference between wedding photographer in Charleston, Charleston wedding photographer, Charleston wedding photographers with an S, like those types of things, there is a little bit of a difference in how the results are displayed for each of those, but it's practically the same. And so all of those kinds of words are like the same set of keywords and you want to have one page. Usually for photographers, that's going to be your homepage in that case for like Charleston wedding photographers that ranks for that term. And you want other pages to support that term. Uh, If you're trying to use the same term on all those pages, then you're probably hurting your homepage's chances of ranking for that. I think I'm guilty of that. And uh, another thing that I'm guilty of, maybe tell me how bad of an idea this actually is. Um, So I have my Taylor Jackson photo domain um, that is actually just a video. And then I have kind of the choose your own adventure style, um, go to blog, new work, or um, the actual portfolio site. But the actual portfolio site is an entirely different URL, Mm -hmm. ontarioweddingphotographer.com. Is that a recommended strategy? Because I've I've kind of been on the fence with it, but it's... um, I don't know. I've just been working for so long that I'm just kind of comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, but could it be better? Yeah, I would say that you really want to build your authority into your brand, your branded domain. So if you're using something like OntarioWeddingPhotographer.com, it only really helps your SEO if your brand is Ontario Wedding Photographers. And so some people will name their business after their keyword, like their, their city like that. Uh, in the city, I'm I'm here in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have someone who has ColumbiaWeddingPhotos.com, and their business is literally called Columbia Wedding Photos. In that case, what happens is that Google can't necessarily discern whether someone is searching for their that specific business or general wedding photographers whenever they type in that query. So they're much more likely to show up high for that uh, particular term. However, if if your business name is Taylor Jackson weddings and you have Ontario wedding photography.com or whatever it is like that doesn't really help you rank for that term and having it separated into multiple domains is basically splitting your authority into multiple domains, 
where domain authority is a very important factor in ranking, especially whenever we talk about like getting links to your site. You know, if you got links to one site, then that all kind of contributes to that site's authority. Where if you have linked to multiple different sites, you're like I said, you're splitting your authority. Yeah, um, let's talk about that for a second. As far as links go, um, what is uh, why is it good to have links out there in the world pointing back at you? And is there a negative for if you're linking more often than that um, out to other people? Sure. So, I, I guess the the reasoning behind having links is, is twofold. One is kind of the more obvious thing, which is it gets you more traffic to your website. So people might actually click on those links from the other website. But two, the way that Google sees this is that if someone else who is already trusted and authoritative links to you, they're basically giving you a vote of confidence. They're saying, hey, we think this person is a good choice for you to look at. And so Google says, well, we already trust what they say. So let's take that vote and give that other person some more authority. And the more authority that you have pouring into your domain with those votes, the more authoritative you become. And so if if you, you asked about uh, linking out and if there's any negative impact of that, and the answer is it gets really complicated and for the most part, photographers probably don't need to worry about this. Um, it, there is a chance that if you are like excessively linking out and getting no links back to your to your site, that that could be a problem. But it has to really be a significant um, disproportionate amount. So like if you link out a thousand times and get one link in, that's probably going to raise a flag. Whereas if it's like you link out a hundred times and you get 20 links in, that's probably not enough to throw it off. Okay. Um, and then, uh, as far as, uh, I guess maybe let's talk a little bit about page, page rank that, um, is it important to have those high, high page rank pages linking back to you as well? Or is volume at maybe a lesser scale? Um, or even if you just want to talk about what page rank is in general. Sure. So, so page rank that you're really showing that you started a long time ago when you talk about page rank, because, (laughs) (laughs) uh, page rank hasn't been a factor that we can actually visit, like see, Google doesn't display PageRank anymore for a couple of years now. Um, and so, yeah, basically the the idea of PageRank still exists in the algorithm. It's just that they don't display it. So uh, it used to be that basically you would get 1 to 10 would be your PageRank, and the higher it is on that scale, uh, the more authority your site has. And now we have things like Moz and Ahrefs and SimRush, these other uh, companies who have developed tools and they have databases that try to mimic the Google algorithm and they'll give things like uh, domain authority and uh, and URL rating or something like that. They have their own little systems that basically image that uh, mimic PageRank. But PageRank is essentially the authority of your domain. And so your question about is it important to have higher authority domains linking to you Um, the answer is yes. Like one link from a really high authority website is usually better than 20 links from, you know, something that's a lot uh, smaller authority. However, I will say that context can make a big difference. So if you get, you know, 10 links from local wedding vendors, that may be more powerful than like one link from a phishing site or something that's, that's really high authority. So it kind of does depend a little bit on the context. Uh, Google takes a lot more into consideration where it used to be like PageRank was it. It just looked at PageRank and it passed authority directly based on that. 
However, now it's more complex, and so they can see where the link appears on the page and what the context around that link was and all these other things. So, yes, it matters to have high-authority pages linking to you, and, and especially if they're in the industry and expected in the industry. So, like, for wedding photographers, something like Style Me Pretty or... Um, Huffington Post weddings or something like that. Those really high authority uh, websites that other photographers frequently have. If you get those, it makes a huge difference. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then maybe what, what are some ways that you can actually generate your own links? Is it, it, is it advisable to go on YouTube and make slideshows of your weddings and um, use the keywords for the venues, things like that, and point them back at your website? Or can Google just see that that's you making those links and doesn't really... Um, benefit you? Hmm, That's another tricky question because the answer is yes, they can tell uh, and no, they don't have much value, but it doesn't mean that they have zero value. And if you're doing it in a natural way, that's helpful for people who are watching that video or who find that content. um, I would say it's probably still potentially worthwhile if you have time to do something like that. I just wouldn't ever try to do it in a way that's like intentionally spamming Google. Like here, I'm going to pour a bunch of links that are pointing to my site. Like that's not going to help you. If you're doing things that are helpful for, for people, those links, even if they are no followed links, which don't pass any authority, um, they could still potentially make an impact on your ranking because uh, Google, even if something is no follow, they can still recognize your name being mentioned on a site or um, you know, whatever the, the text of the link, if it's mentioning your brand is still something that they're crawling and indexing on that first page. And so, you know, a lot of people will say, well, don't even worry about no follow links. And I think even Sammy Brady recently went to all no follow links and people were freaking out about that. And I'm like, it doesn't really, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It does matter. Like it makes a difference, but Google can still see, okay, this is a helpful mention of a website and, taking that into context of all the things that we know about this website and other websites, and we'll use that to kind of figure out whether or not this is a good result. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I guess it also is kind of a little more cross platform because I know that I've for sure received inquiries for weddings um, from people searching on YouTube and even from searching on Vimeo, which uh, I don't even know how they found. I don't optimize that for anything. It's simply how I share my couple's slideshows to them. And somebody found me through that and inquired. Um, so I guess it's also just important to just like as much as you're comfortable doing, just kind of have that content out in the world because you never know how one person's going to find you and then that's going to turn into two bookings next year and then everything just kind of spirals. Absolutely. Um, and like I said in the beginning of when I was talking about links, that's the first reason that links are important is because people will click them and go to your website. So that should always be like your first thought is, does getting a link on this website potentially get me more traffic to my website from people who would maybe hire me. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, I guess, negative things that are looked uh, or that are frowned upon by um, the internet in general, I guess, as far as um, SEO goes. And you kind of touched on that it doesn't really, um, no follows, things like that, that they don't really transfer authority. Um, what are some other things that you should um, maybe stay away from if possible, or some, some myths that if you're reading old, uh, SEO instructional pages and they tell you to make a bunch of text, the same color as your background and like spam (laughs) that out. Um, What are some things that just don't work anymore uh, that we should stop doing? Hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, going back to the no follow links and 
and that kind of thing. I, I see a lot of people still doing these like blog threads where everyone posts their their blog posts and like everyone goes and comments and they think that the links in the comments are helping like as backlinks and those are almost completely worthless. Um, another thing that I've seen a lot of people doing in groups that's similar to that is they'll actually do these structured like uh, go to go to the photographer or go to Google and search for X keyword which they include in their post. <laughs> And then like click on this photographer specifically and then go to their site and do these things and then leave. Um, like that kind of thing, like it's just not, you're not going to do it at a scale that makes any real difference. Um, if you had thousands of people doing that consistently every day and they were different people, that would probably start making a difference. But if you have like 30 people doing it once a week, it's not even going to like be a blip on the radar to Google. Um, not to mention it it's a lot of work too. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work and it is against Google's guidelines. You're not supposed to do anything like that to trick the algorithm. Um, trying to think like what else are people still doing frequently? I think a lot of people are just stuffing keywords into their titles, into the, the footer of their website. There was actually a, a, a little Twitter exchange with one of the kind of more vocal Google reps recently and talking about, you know, footers and having a bunch of keywords in your footer. And he was like, it's, it's not only worthless, it's also stupid. He's like, it doesn't help anyone with anything. Your footer should be something that helps people to get to other important parts of your site, not something where you try to stuff a bunch of keywords. Uh, and so, yeah, things like putting the the name of like every city that's anywhere near you that you think you want to rank for, that doesn't actually help you rank for those cities in in almost any case, there are some really rare cases where you might rank for something that's like not competitive at all by putting it like that, but usually it doesn't help anything. Yeah. Um, what, what is a way to see, um, I guess if I touched on a little bit, but what is a way to see what the competitive, um, keywords are kind of in your area and what you should maybe focus your energy on? Yeah. So again, um, these these numbers are going to be different based on which tool you use, and sometimes they're going to be more accurate than others. I found that most of the competitive scores for keywords are deceiving because it really depends on exactly who's ranking and why. However, there are tools that will tell you, like, this keyword is more competitive than this keyword. And, and in relation to the other keywords, it might make sense. Um, as far as that goes, I think it's really just going back to using those tools that I mentioned earlier with keyword research and, and looking to see like what gets more volume and you can almost tell what's going to be more competitive just by what's getting more volume. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess to kind of start to wrap up here, what are, um, kind of the things that you should be doing, um, right now, if you have a website and maybe you haven't really thought too much about SEO other than making your headlines and titles, something, um, relevant, what are some steps that should people go out there and make sure they're on, uh, like Google maps and things like that? Um, yeah, that's a good point that we haven't even talked about is kind of local relevance and having a Google, my business verified listing is very important if you're trying to rank for local keywords. And also this is another topic that comes up very often is having an address listed there makes a big difference. I did a study on this last year and I made a YouTube video about it and basically you were uh, something like three times more likely to show up in the map pack if you have an address listed than if you don't. And a lot of photographers don't have a studio address because 
especially wedding photographers have this problem where they only shoot on location and their, their business address is their home address and they don't necessarily want to put up their home address, which is understandable. I mean, you don't want someone like coming and knocking on your door or stealing all of your equipment or something like that. However, I will say that it does make a huge difference if you have the address listed there and verified with Google My Business and displayed. So you can't just verify it and then hide it. It's possible to do that. And it's okay if you feel like you have to do that, but you'll have an advantage if you show it. Um, Trying to think if there's anything else about local relevance, like other citations can also be important. So things like um, uh, Yelp and Foursquare and uh, things like that can make a difference in making sure that your name address and phone number are consistent across all of those sources helps Google to see, okay, this is definitely a legitimate local business that has the same consistent information everywhere it's listed online and that we can trust that. And we're, we're more likely to show that on a map. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe one other question. I'm just personally curious. Um, as far as like Instagram and Facebook go, whenever you actually location tag, um, your photos, do you know if that's relevant at all to, um, what Google would be searching as far as like knowing that, Hey, you're a photographer that works kind of in this area, or is that just something that is you're more doing for the clicks so that people actually discover your work? I would say all of that is taken into consideration by not only Google, but also the algorithms on Facebook and Instagram. So yes, absolutely. Like those location tags, geotagging is becoming more and more important. And I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if that becomes a bigger factor with Google in the future as well. Right now, it's not really something that they take into consideration, at least not that any test I've ever seen has revealed. Uh, but I think eventually it's going to be where you want to embed the actual coordinates of the photo in the metadata and and upload it that way to your website so that Google can like crawl that and, and see where it was taken. But for now, I think, yes, geotagging on, on Instagram especially Instagram, because that also puts you in that places feed. And a lot of people find those places and search through that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. Instagram has been like a strangely um, powerful lead tool for me, at least even in the past year, I think uh, my fiance, Lindsay, I'm going to say maybe like three out of every 10 inquiries are now um, from Instagram rather than from a venue or from Google or um, wherever they used to come from. So it's like, wow. It's getting crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Um, any last tips for anybody listening um, as far as uh, good things that they should be doing? I know we covered a lot over the past uh, 40 minutes, but any last words? Hmm. I can't think of anything really off the top of my head other than what we've already covered. I mean, there's a, there's a lot, you know, so I think maybe a last final thought would be when it comes to SEO, uh, really, you need to be thinking about the long term. So things like we talked about earlier where, you know, something can be ranking two years from now and be bringing you hundreds of visits to your site every month, not necessarily like, how can I rank for something so that I can get new clients tomorrow? So if you're just getting started, don't necessarily expect SEO to start working immediately, but sometimes it can, don't get me wrong. But, um, I think that being in it for the long, the long term and tracking your results using Google analytics and Google search console, um, is is extremely important because it's not something that usually has really um, big benefits in the short term. And uh, I would just say to stick with it, you know, and keep keep working on it over time and building your authority as a brand 
because if that's what really makes people sticky at the top of the search results is whenever they become kind of synonymous with a search term. So if I think about Columbia wedding photographers and a brand instantly pops into my mind, uh, that's whenever it becomes synonymous. And whenever regular people can start thinking like that, you know that you've done the right kinds of things to, to build authority. And then you can really dominate search engines. Uh, but I do think that having, you know, a strong technical foundation is important in the beginning. And then, you know, just continuing to attract links by creating great content, sharing it on social media, um, you know, and writing blog posts and, and demonstrating your authority is, is the way to go. Yeah. Everything is just so connected and it's only going to get more connected. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so where can people find you on the internet? Uh, the main place at my website, fuelyourphotos.com. And then I have the Fuelier Photos Facebook group where I interact and talk about this stuff all the time. Cool. I will add some ink links to the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for joining me.